300 episodes. 300. One episode for each of the noble Spartan warriors <laughs> who defended the pass at Thermopylae against the Persian horde. That's right, because you're listening to America's Most Spartan Podcast. This is Pod People. I'm King Xerxes, Matisse Van Rossum. That's good. That's good. That's way better than mine. Oh, man. I'm the most oiled up man in North Carolina. <laughs> I was I was also doing a This is Sparta. I was, I was going to say, hi, I'm Cleveland Mosher and this is Farta. And then do some fart noises. You overlooked the obvious of uh, King Clevenitis. Hi, hey, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome, to the, welcome to the podcast. I'm Clevelanditis. <laughs> Clevenitis. <laughs> I'm Clevenitis. That's Cle- the Midas sounds touch. like something you catch. Yeah, Clevenitis, Clevenitis. Sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like a disease. <laughs> and you've caught it here on Pod People. Welcome. Well, welcome to our 300th episode. 300. And, How the fuck are we doing and, this this long? That's insane. And the people have been asking. What are we doing? <laughs> the people have been asking for it and begging for it for years. They've been saying, "When are you going to cover Zack Snyder's three? <laughs> To be clear, this is a full pivot. We're becoming a 300 podcast. Yeah, Every this is from a, here on 300. We've done 300. We've one. done 300 episodes of horror movies. We're pivoting to Zack Snyder movies only. That's right. And when we've gone through all of them, we're, we're gonna do it again. Yeah, that's the Snyder's touch, baby. The, the, hey, there it is. Uh, the yeah, Snyder's touch. <laughs> well. uh... Joking, kidding. We're not talking about three hundred. Wait, what do you take us movie for nothing? I did all this research. What are you talking about? What do you What do you take us for? I watched so many like alt right gateway three hundred videos on YouTube. What What do you mean we're not doing three hundred? I'm like I'm like totally red pilled now. I did that for nothing. The the pipeline. God damn it! What do you think we are? A bunch of clowns. I mean, I mean, well, well, unless I get hasty, I mean, yeah, like this is a prestigious program. We've done three hundred episodes. Yeah, that's right. But what we're actually going to be talking about tonight is Reanimator, yet another classic that has taken us hundreds of episodes to get to. We figured it was just about time to talk about the Stuart Gordon Brian Usna classic, Reanimator. Yeah, you know, we're we're coming to a point where we've covered most of the major classics. Most, um, keyword. There's, yeah, still a, there's still a handful of, you know, your psychos, your... your uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead, your uh, Tetsuas. But, you know, this was a big one. This was a big one, so we had to pull out a big gun for it. Tetsuos would be a good name for a serial. Save that for it's our Tetsuo little, episode. Little pieces of metal. metal. <laughs> nuts, <laughs> nuts and bolts yeah, in Tetsuos. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. So, save it. I'll just, I'll just repeat the joke. Like I did it. Just pretend I did it for the first time in that episode. Exactly. Probably forgetting it myself. Which is, you know, pretty, pretty on brand. Well, Reanimator. Reanimator. This is a, a film that we've all seen many times yes um or at least a handful 
I think you said this was your third time watching Third viewing for 300. Pretty perfect. Perfect. How do you sum up Reanimator? Stuart Gordon classic. Stuart Gordon classic. Um, We we have covered uh, another Stuart Gordon uh, H.P. Lovecraft adaptation years ago when we did From Beyond. We also Um, covered Stuck. Oh, that's Same right. We period. did do Stuck. Great. Um, God, I, I totally that. forgot about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where the dude gets stuck in the windshield. In the car's windshield. They keep it in the, the oh garage. Oh, God. Yeah, you yeah. remember that? Oh, years ago. God. Yeah. So we somehow You're did right, We somehow did that before we finally got to Reanimator. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming back to it's me. A, it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah you know what else is good, though? We have a whole episode about that. Reanimator. Yeah. It's hard to... You know, overstate the obvious in that respect. You know, it's a classic for a reason. It's a oh, it's yeah. a perfect blend of horror and comedy um, and sleaze and sleaze. It's a sleazy movie. It's gross. It's a nasty film. That's what that's what you want. You know, I mean, it was it was movies. It was movies like these that were sort of the the early start of like uh, the legacy of Full Moon Pictures, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the bands indie horror and indie horror. Yeah, the Band Brothers were involved in this one, and Brian Usna and Stuart Gordon went on to work with them and Full Full Moon um, a lot in the future. Um, I don't think this is not a Full Moon production. This is pre Full Moon, right? I think that was. I think that studio was founded. I don't know. A couple I, years later, it's right around the same time. I don't know if they have their logo on it. I don't. Remember I don't think so. Their logo on the movie. I don't. I don't think they were. I don't think they that studio existed. Oh, I wouldn't yet. be surprised if they have distribution. Oh no, they don't. It's Empire Pictures. Mm. But um, yeah, this is a a, a low budget uh, adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story, Herbert West Reanimator. Um, but much like uh, the the From Beyond adaptation, um, they're really interested in capturing the spirit of the story, but doing a modern, uh, for the time at least, modern and tonally different kind of spin on it. I think for Lovecraft is dandy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't think you have to. I don't think you necessarily have to literalize uh, the the dude's stories. I feel like part of it is a practical thing too. Mm-hmm. Just by means of this being a low budget production, it's harder to do a period piece mm-hmm. than sure. to put it in modern day. And I think it translates well. That's just what it needed to be for the the the, the budget that they had and the scale. I would I would love to see uh, a, a reanimator that is a little more faithful with a bigger budget. I think that would be neat and cool, but... I think you'd have to do it as a period piece. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which... Yeah. Budget. Like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I yeah, I, I definitely... I, I adore this film for what it is, and I think for... Yeah, I, I think, think they this nailed is... it for what they set out to do. Um, I... Help remind me, for me to recollect, uh, which came first? Reanimator or... From Beyond. Which one came first? Uh, uh, this one came first. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are they are definitely to me like twin viewing sister films. I mean, yeah, within a year of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, this came out in eighty five, I think, mm-hmm. and From Beyond came out in like eighty six. Yeah, I think I think they were really revving up for From Beyond with this movie. It's a delight, and it works quite well on its own. But 
Oh man, From Beyond has so many just incredible sequences, and it's it's so wacky and wild. Yeah, I they they definitely had more of a budget with From Beyond, but um, honestly, in in comparison, this is I I prefer this one over From Beyond just right. just slightly. Um, but I I think that it's just it, it's a great adaptation because. It really gets all of like the core of Lovecraft's story, but adds a touch or more than a touch, uh, a bucket mm. of eighties uh, camp and sleaze. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's it's full of camp and full of sleaze. It's yeah. Uh, it's it's a horror movie and it's sleazy and it's gross, but above all, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's high energy. It's goofy. Uh, but plays it with a straight face, not with a nudge and a wink, um, and I think it's it is a uh, golden example of horror comedy. Yeah, and I I think a big part of that is the fact that it's sort of a practical effects showcase. I feel like the the comedy in this movie hits so well because they aren't afraid to pull punches. They they really show, you know, their budget on the screen, and they show so many gags. In yeah, this it's not yeah script wise. It's not really jokey. Um, I mean, Herbert West gets some some good quips, you know, and, and and a lot of the actors are are really hamming it up and having a good time, but. The comedy is slapstick. Slapstick, yeah, front to um, back. It's, I mean, <laughs> literally, like, I mean, there's a scene where they're like, they're there's the reanimated dead cat, and they're like yes. trying to beat it to death, and they're it's it's played up as as hijinks, or yeah, there's there's so many moments with just like big eye rolls and exasperated facial expressions. Yeah, it's it's all very Looney Tunes. Yeah, well, <laughs> the the shot where our main character chucks the undead cat against, against the, wall. the wall is one of my favorite shots of yeah the movie. and and i and i got to say like like without without context if i was to hear that i would be a little like <clears throat> skeezed you know like like hurling a you know a, a dead cat against the wall uh in practice they they nail the tone of it like it's yeah. it's hard to me not to find it funny largely because they're not afraid to show how cheap it is like it's it's a big wet puppet and they yeah, pop it against the wall. It doesn't look real at all. It's impossible to think it's an it's a an real cat. cat. It's and, a muppet, and, and that's great. It's that's a what muppet. you need. If, yeah. you're, if you're gonna do like an animal cruelty bit, make it look as fake as you can, and they nail that. And yeah. it's, and, it, and for that, it's it's you know I, I I just laugh at it. I have a great time, and I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's it's, it's maybe it's maybe the only movie I can think of where the death of an animal, especially a cat doesn't uh make me sad Mm -hmm. well and it should be emphasized like we don't actually see the cat in its living form die right you know we see undead sort of zombie cat yeah get killed after it terrorizes the characters and i think that context is important because like a lot of the the kills in this movie are the undead like mm-hmm. we don't see actual people get killed very often with a couple of exceptions. Yeah. Um and I think that really kind of plays up the camp factor and the fun factor of it because yeah, it's like killing zombies like it depersonalizes it. Yeah. yeah. Um so it it's easier to laugh at it. 
but also it's just really funny. It's just it's shot and and edited with uh you know excellent comedic timing, uh and and it's it's fun to watch and it's big and it's over the top. Let's let's backtrack a little bit to the beginning for those uh, I assume uh, few who have not seen this classic uh, and who are maybe unfamiliar with the Lovecraft story. Um, it is about uh, a brilliant young medical student, Herbert West, who uh, is experimenting with a reagent that can uh, reanimate dead tissue. And of and course, he's played by my all-time favorite... Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs. The, the man himself, the, the absolute joy uh, to watch. To I, the best of my knowledge, this was like his breakout role. Yeah. I think that kind of cemented his uh his like B movie uh character actor status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, a legend. He's a he's a legend, he's a delight. I've gushed about him before in, in other episodes, but I, I think that he's he's pretty unrivaled for He's fantastic, for but I think everybody actors. is everybody's he's, great in this movie. He's just one of my favorite actors to see chew this chew the scenery. It's 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 like it's Jeffrey Combs and it's um Jeremy Irons, I think. You know, when it comes to scenery chewers, like he's just, Have they ever been in a movie together? Oh man, could you imagine? Oh my god, there wouldn't be any scenery left. They'd chew all of it. Let's get somebody <laughs> It'd be incredible. God. Let's get Hollywood on the phone. Get Hollywood on the phone. Yeah, put put those two men in a room. Like, God, the checks write themselves. They, God, honestly. Um, um, but yes, so uh, Herbert West, Jeffrey Combs, he was studying at uh, a, a university in Zurich, but had to flee the country because uh, he injected one of the preeminent doctors there with his reagent and uh caused a big scene where his eyes explode that's sort of the the opening of the film great way to start Um, a movie big old eyeball burst yeah very reminiscent of total recall but i think this predates total recall Mm. uh actually but yeah love love the big uh eyeballs just bulging out of the sockets and they yeah inflating and then bursting blood everywhere but uh, so he has to flee to uh, the U.S. where he ends up at uh, Miskatonic University Hospital, the the classic H.P. Lovecraft fictional university, um, where he meets our other protagonist, Dan Kane, uh, who is uh, subletting a room in his house and... Herbert West moves in and begins his experiments there and gets Dan and his girlfriend and everybody all wrapped up in the in the hijinks. I love how they introduce Herbert in that opening scene because, you know, the movie starts off with a bang. But from the get-go, you know, he's introduced as this mad scientist. Yep. You know, this lunatic who's... Uh, <laughs> willing to do anything in the pursuit of his research single-mindedly maniacally dedicated to solving the puzzle of death and bringing the dead back to life As someone who really gets a lot of joy out of just finishing a painting and just spends a lot of time just honing their craft and painting a lot mad relatable <laughs> like i just i've i've always found like the the mad scientist characters just obsessed with their work to be just way too way too relatable 
Um, I'm trying to kind of get away from that a little bit, you know, and not be that trope because it usually ends poorly. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a movie. Yeah. I mean, as long I mean, as you're not bringing the dead back to life to wreak havoc, uh, I think oh, probably okay. Her- Herbert's a little autism-coded in this movie. I'll just put it out there. You know, he doesn't really pick up on social cues. Representation's well. important. He's uh, very focused on his special interests, you know. Yeah, his, <laughs> his autistic hyperfixation is bringing the dead back to life. Yeah. Um, I love the look of the the reagent in this movie. Just iconic, glowing green. It's just glow stick liquid. Yeah, yeah. But it looks fantastic. Perfect. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Like when he opens up the the or when they open up the little mini fridge in his room where they find the dead cat, and there's also like the bottle of the reagent in there, and so the whole inside of the fridge is lit by like this sickly green glow. Just classic. A little bit of smoke in there yeah just classic uh mad scientist frankenstein shit it's really really fun Um, i feel like this was the blueprint for like a lot of that iconography too with the neon kind of sort of like concoctions alchemy but yeah herbert you know is very driven by his special interest of uh breaking the six to twelve minute barrier Yes, supposedly after the brain, or after, like, heartbeat and breathing and everything, bodily function has has ceased. Between 6 to 12 minutes is when full brain death happens, and there's there's no uh, resuscitation. resuscitation. And this is a point of contention with, ultimately, who becomes the primary antagonist of the film, uh, Dr. Hill, who works at Miskatonic as one of the instructors, and he's like a. I think the dean just introduces him as like the the head of brain res the head brain researcher or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but he immediately comes at odds with West because West is like the six to twelve minute thing is bullshit, and you stole that, you plagiarized that from this other doctor anyway, the the doctor that he killed in Zurich. He's like, you just plagiarized that shit anyway, and it's bullshit, and you don't know what you're talking about. And And I love the lead-up to this, too, because it's it's during a scene where Dr. Hill is just doing a standard, like, college course presentation on uh, brain surgery, and um, uh, doing a lecture on, I think, the, oh, yeah, very importantly, the force of will Mm -hmm. on brains, and uh, the the human will is sitting in the middle of, it's just like a row of, like, eight students, and Combs is sitting in the middle, and he's just holding a pencil up, ready to break it. <laughs> and um, and uh, as soon as, like, uh, Hill says anything that, that you know, like, goes against his own theorem, uh, he snaps it very loudly. And it, it's great, because he, he, he breaks it uh, the, the, the first time, and it's, it, it's, it's very funny. Um, and, uh, and then, and then we see him, like, put the pencil down, and the camera gets real close, and he pulls up another pencil, and he holds it up, just ready to do it again. (laughs) It's so petty. And Hill gets so mad, and he's like, Mr. West, I suggest that you find yourself a pen. (laughs) (laughs) Just really fucking riles him up. Hill is great, too, because he is, is just, like, immediately set up as just, like, this absolutely uh, repulsive perv. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. he is infatuated with 
the Dean's daughter, played by Barbara Crampton, the legendary Scream Queen, um, who is uh, our protagonist Dan's fiance. And we see early on the Dean is having uh, like a, a small dinner with Dr. Hill, like at his house, celebrating some big round of grant money that Dr. Hill has brought in. And uh, the daughter is there to Meg. Meg? Meg? Meg, is that the character? Meg, okay, yeah. Uh, she's there too, and uh, she's like, okay, I have to go. I have a study date with with Dan, and Dr. Hill is like, why don't you just stay here and study? And then she's like, no, I really gotta go. He's like, well, then we must do a toast to the beautiful, sumptuous, charming, and loving daughter of uh, Dean Halsey. And just like, so fucking... He's so to also, I think it's, it's really important to note, this yeah. guy is like 20 to 30 years or senior. Like, it's fucking... At least. At least. Yeah. At least. Fucking nasty. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, him and uh, Dean Halsey you know, are near the same age. Yeah. Yeah, he's essentially the same age as her dad. Yeah. Fucking gross. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. But, uh, yeah, between this and, and him, uh, you know, beefing with, with Wes at the beginning is just, like, the perfect setup for him to, you know, develop into the, the true villain of this film. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the fun thing. Uh, one of the things I really like about this movie is that, with all our main our main characters, we kind of run the like moral gamut a little bit, sure. where like West is unscrupulous and unethical and willing to kill others in pursuit of his research, but he's also pretty likable. He's a pretty he's a, a mm -hmm. pretty charismatic and fun character. So he really serves as an anti-hero between Dan who is more of our traditional like good guy protagonist and then the fully evil and villainous Dr. Hill. And of course the daughter being like the very the purest. Yes, the far the farthest end of the spectrum because you know a big part of the movie is West sucking Dan into his orbit and into his research and forcing him to compromise his own principles in in the quest, in the pursuit of the cure for death. The casting for Dan, I think, is pretty great, too. Um, do you know the actor's name? Bruce Abbott? Bruce, Bruce Abbott. Abbott. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, next, next to Combs, you shouldn't try to pit character against character. He's, he's pretty standard. I think, as, as a protagonist. Um, yeah. The guy, the guy looks like an underwear model. And next to Jeffrey Combs, I think that makes for a great foil. Uh, Absolutely. You know, like, he's, he's your standard upright good guy, and that allows Jeffrey Combs to dance and be all weird and leering around him. And that, that, that that's great. Yeah. So. And also, like, it's, it's believable that he would become entranced and captivated by what West is trying to achieve. Because the first scene that we see him in is uh, he and several other doctors are trying to resuscitate, you know, a woman who's been brought in with heart failure or something like that, and they can't. 
And after the other doctors have already been like, okay, you know, it's it, it's been long enough. Like, she's dead. Like, he doesn't give up. He's still trying to administer CPR and get her heart going again. And, you know, one of the doctors has to be like, look, at a certain point, like, there's no... We've done everything we can. Like, you can't save everybody. You can't cheat death, right? And so we establish him from the very beginning as a character who is uh, frustrated by his inability to save people and that he had that he feels like he's letting them die and that he's letting them down and so when he sees the proof in the pudding that West is able to reanimate dead things when he sees it with the cat he's like you know, it's like a light in his head, and he's like, uh, this is a way that I can save people. So, it totally makes sense. Yeah, well, and I think it's such a testament to not only the great writing, but the great editing of this movie. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, that whole thing is kind of cyclical in the movie, and we'll talk about that a bit more at the end, but, um, the way it takes him kind of through that journey as he gets sucked in um, is really compelling, and it, it never feels like it has an inch of fat on it. Um, I love the way uh, it's introduced to bring kind of all three of those characters together. At the college, the main character puts up kind of a, an ad for a, a subletter. Mm -hmm. You know, he's looking for a roommate, and uh, his girlfriend sneaks up behind him and kind of he starts tickling her and she's like no 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 and it immediately cuts to her uh in bed with him saying yes 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 yeah and it's such a funny cut um under a big uh talking heads poster a big david Byrne <laughs> in a giant suit which yeah footnote on that what with the talking heads and all yeah it feels very on the nose yeah. <laughs> well it's so funny that it's like right at the the head of the bed, too. yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like like always in view whenever we cut back to the main character, like just up and to the left, you get you, literally the words "talking heads." Yeah, like yeah, and cute. stop making sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and David Byrne in his giant suit <laughs> lo looming. <laughs> it really is a set piece. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then right after that, there she's getting ready to leave. And there's a knock on the door, and it's Herbert West showing up late at night to uh, check out the the place. And he takes to it immediately when he finds out that they have a basement. He's really horny for that basement. He's like, oh, yes. He, like, moans when he gets mm -hmm. down there. Because, yeah, it's coats. He's going <laughs> to, oh, a basement. Like, like, it's great. He's so good. Uh, yeah, I, I love him to bits. And it's, like, just an average-ass basement, too. <laughs> like, but it's perfect. It's perfect for his laboratory. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we get the, the whole thing that we've already talked about a little bit with uh, with the, the dead cat yeah. and him reanimating the cat. But I do just want to mm -hmm. emphasize the scene where Dan hears something down the basement. He runs down and Herbert is being attacked by the cat. And they've literally just like strapped a, a Muppet to his back. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just flailing around like it's attacking him. It's like, so fucking funny, dude. So many other movies would do the same thing, but they cut around it. So you only catch the Muppet for a second or two. But this, 
This shot lasts for a good while. No, it's like a wide shot. Yeah, it's like a long like, wide shot. Like around of him flailing, obviously yeah. being a Muppet, like on his back, uh, like jumping against stuff. And again, too, like Combs is just playing the whole thing up. He's hurling himself against the wall. He's hurling himself up against things and really trying as hard as he can to sell that that is that the the, the little puppet on his back is a real cat. Is a vicious I, reanimated. You, you have to respect it, right? Like yeah. you have to respect like him him putting everything into that. It's a joy. Yeah. He's so great, man. It's another example of like sometimes looking cheap doesn't mean bad. You know, it's yeah. fine to look cheap if it, it's fun. It's it's uh it's the intent, you know? Yes. Like and and this movie has clear intent front to back. And that's I think where that's where most most people get it wrong is is folks will say oh well you know if it looks cheap it'll be fine but like no you have to go in and fucking plan that shit and plan around it and that's what makes a good low budget piece of I, art i love the spectrum in this movie too honestly because there are a number of like very cheap looking effects like mm-hmm. the cat muppet but then there are also an equal number of like really quite good like body horror effects practical yeah. effects as well so uh it, it just really feels like a like a uh a, a classic example of get you somebody who can do both <laughs> yeah well and and again too like usually when the body horror is is supreme and and quite well done it's people but mm-hmm. when it's the animal it looks kind of cheap and it looks kind of silly and slapstick, and that's good because we all we care much more about the animal. Like yeah, said, it makes you feel yeah, less bad about the cat. It's the intent. It's the tone. They knew what they were doing going in, and God bless them for it. Like it's just yeah, great. and I mean, outside of the cold open, like that's the first like big moment that we get, like a mm-hmm. uh, big creature moment, and I think it does a really great job setting the tone. Because if they would have gone too serious with the first non-cold open kill, it probably would have set a higher standard yeah. for everything. Right. Well, and and even so, I, I think uh, the, the next one that we get into as well is also pretty funny and slapstick in a lot of ways. Herbert shows Dan the, the cat, and he reanimates it again after they've thrown it against the wall to prove that his serum works. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of uh, gruesome. This just like destroyed cat carcass, like trying to live. Puppetry is not bad for that, too. No, it's not. I mean, it the it it, it moves nicely. Uh, it the, looks the puppet better looks than the, yeah, the back Muppet. Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. A little it still looks pretty. Uh, looks like that uh, fucking uh, cat puppet in the live-action Sabrina the Teenage Witch show. Y'all remember that? <laughs> God, I guess I do. Yeah, yeah that was that? on TV when we were kids. Yeah, uh, and you remember that? The, talk, the, the fucking talking cat puppet. Yeah. It looks a lot like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so so Herbert gets Dan to, to agree to help him with the research. And they want to try. He wants to try it out on on another human because he's trying to prove that there is uh, that he's not just reanimating the body, but there is consciousness coming back as well. So he wants to look for a sign of true human consciousness. So he gets Dan to sneak him into the morgue 
Um, and there's, I, I love that scene where they're going around trying to find like the perfect body and they're like, Ooh, shotgun wound to the head. No, it was like, Ooh, uh, pancaked by a semi truck. No, definitely not this one. And it's like, Oh, here's a perfect specimen died of apparent heart failure, but like his body is totally undamaged and he's in perfect physical shape. So they inject him with the reagent, um, and it takes a couple of doses before they get him back up before he gets working. But uh, he comes to life, and they've got a big, muscly, strong zombie all of a sudden, uh, very angry, wreaking havoc in this small space of the, of the, the freezer that they're in, where they're storing all the corpses. No, I, uh, I love this too, like, uh, and... I'm glad you touched on that point about how they try several different doses to get it right. They do that throughout the movie, and it it reinforces that they have this reagent. They have this miracle serum, and they also don't really know how it works, and they're trying to figure it out themselves. Like, it's, it's, it's that Promethean fire kind of thing where they don't, they don't really understand how they can touch themselves with it and burn themselves yet or how to wield it. They're, we're figuring it along with them. And I, I think it's, it's very delightful. And it's because like, they, don't, they don't get caught up in, in like, the science of it beyond that. It's all very, like, uh, you know, like any kind of corny movie where characters are wearing lab coats, you know, yeah. they're wearing lab coats, so therefore they're smart, they're scientists, you know. It's well, like yeah, there are no, there are numerous times where, like, a character will, like, look at Herbert's notes or something, like his notebook, and be like, my god, it's brilliant, you're a genius, <laughs> but they never, they never go into the pseudoscience. And we never see the notes though, ourselves. Like. And it's, and it's like, Fine, we don't fucking need to. No, no, it's, it's way like, better without. This, yeah, this, yeah. this glowing green uh, <laughs> serum in the bottle reanimates dead things. How does it work? Wow! You know, who yeah. cares? Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. But um, one one of the things that I love uh, is how it's just like the look of the reanimated like zombie people like throughout the movie that they've got. They have this. They all have this kind of, like, bug-eyed, like, absolutely crazed look to them that it, like, you, it's almost like you can feel the, like, pressure in their bodies and their heads are, like, about to burst at any second. And just, like, the way that all of the different actors, like, are able to pull that off with the physicality, it's all, it's, again, it's, like, the perfect... The perfect mix of like spooky, but also really funny, because like yeah, it, it just makes me laugh, man. Yeah, with the I big, mean, the big wide eyes, and just like the, they all look like they're really fucking constipated. I was about you know? to say, I I feel like the direction was just Stuart Gordon tells them to look as constipated yeah. and frustrated about it as as humanly possible. <laughs> and so in this. This scene in the morgue, like right after they wake the they they reanimate this big beefy guy, uh the dean is outside banging on the door because he has b- basically kicked out uh West and and Dan from the school because of their crazy experiments. So he's he's ba- he's in the morgue, and he's banging on the freezer door and the the zombie just smashes the door off of its hinges on top of him and then I love he runs out and he 
jumps on the door with both feet and just like pancakes him mm-hmm. and then we've just got a great scene of of the zombie picking up the dean and like throwing him around the room and smashing him on things and just a lot of good slapstick comedy things getting broken things getting turned over but it ultimately results in the dean's death well we get the death of the the oh, first yeah. zombie with the, the the little circular saw. Fatality! Uh, which is great, because, you know, they introduced that in the, the classroom scene with mm-hmm. Hill at the beginning, where he's cutting open the skull. And Wes grabs it, and he, like, plugs it in in a way that's, like, the same energy as he's, like, cocking a gun. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to explain it other than that, but yeah. it's just, like, so determined and forceful. He's, like, stand back. And he, like grabs the the zombie from behind around its neck and he drives the bone saw through its back and we get a great shot from the front of the the saw like bursting out of uh the zombie's chest i think that's a pretty good effect too most definitely looks great yeah um a good example of of one of the like actually good ones but in a moment of opportunism Herbert uh, decides to inject the Dean uh, with his uh, his reagent because this is the freshest corpse that he has had access to. And, you know, maybe if the body is even fresher, it'll work better. But basically the same problem where the Dean becomes a rage zombie. Yeah, well, I love that follow-up scene because he wakes up and he, like, chokes both of... The, yeah, uh, both of them at the same time, both, one in each hand. And, yeah, and then Meg comes in through the door and sees that. She's like, no, daddy! <laughs> um, but instead of killing him, because at this point, like, the security guard shows up, and uh, I think Hill shows up, too. And so instead of killing the Dean, they give it, like, a, a cover story. It's like, oh, we were just minding our own business here in the morgue, and he came in and went absolutely crazy and started he had a psychotic break and started attacking everybody so they restrain uh the the dean and uh put him into hill's care to to study i love that hill has in his office he just has like an adjoining padded cell with an observation window. <laughs> like, just just in his office. <laughs> you know, you never I, know. When... I, I love, too, because like, they, they make a big point about how it's one-way glass, but we never see from the in, inside of that room looking back because it's just glass. <laughs> no, we do later do when, yeah. when Hill comes oh, back God, as the zombie. We get a great scene where it's reflected. Where he's, like, looking at his own reflection, and then it sort of, like, dissipates, and he can see, like, Hill's head in there. Fades out. Oh, I thought that was from the other side. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That that sequence is fantastic. You know, and this gives uh, Hill another opportunity to to really creep on on Meg and, you know, like, sniff her hair and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and be like, he's like, I want you to think of me as somebody that you can come to with your problems. Or if you're ever lonely. Jesus. <laughs> um, Yikes. This, that actor, too, is... Oh, I, I, he's great. Yeah. Um, Maturing the scenery. and Fucking and, David, David Gale. Um, yeah, I was looking at what else he was in, Hill, and the yeah. only notable thing was the 
The Giver. Yeah, he was in The Giver. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was in The Giver. How about yeah, that? So is Jeffrey Combs. Oh, he's yeah. also... Wait. Does he play the villain in The Giver? Uh-huh. Oh, he's really sleazy in that movie, too. Yeah. yeah. Damn, he's just... Yeah, he, he plays a lot of really sleazy characters. Yeah. Really well. I mean, he's great. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a joy. He's, he's, a, he's a, a, a tall, thin, imposing figure, and he's got, you know, kind of... Uh, prominent crooked teeth and he's yeah he he's really great at hamming it up and man does he ever especially in the last act of this film because you know jumping ahead a little bit he realizes what west has done and goes to confront him and blackmail him into giving him uh his reagent and all of his notes and stuff and claiming it is his own discovery. He's like, oh, well, if you try to speak out against me, then I'll tell the authorities what you've done and you'll be tried for murder. Um, and I, I love that they set him up at the beginning as a, as like a plagiarist. He plagiarized like Dr. Gruber's like six to 12 minute thing. And so it feels now he's trying to plagiarize West's miracle serum too. And it just goes, just really hammers in the fact that he's like ultimately a hack, you know, just yeah. a real fucking scumbag. And while he's gloating over Herbert's notes, uh, West comes up behind him with a shovel and hits him over the head and then decapitates him with the shovel, which is another really fantastic effect. Yeah. I love the, the shot of him sneaking up on Hill with the shovel. Yeah. <laughs> it's so silly <laughs> because Hill's just lost in the sauce. Going yeah. The he's like, it's brilliant. This is, this is amazing. And he's like, I will be famous. And then uh, Jeffrey Combs just bops him over the head with the shovel <laughs> and then fucking cuts his head off. And then we get... Uh, plagiarist. Plagiarist. Then after this, we get probably my favorite, or at least one of my favorite visual gags in the movie, is uh, he... Uh, West picks up his head and he puts it into like a like a tray, like a metal tray that he has on his desk, and he falls over on its face, and he picks it back up, <laughs> sets it down, and it falls over on its face again. He does this a couple times. It keeps falling over, and he looks over, and he's got one of those, uh, like, ticket spikes. I don't know what he would have it for. I've never seen those outside of uh, the context of a restaurant. No, they they have so many good horror usages. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't necessarily know why he would. It's just like one of those metal spikes on a little four-legged base that you like put stab paper tickets on. Um, we always used them in in kitchens. You know, once you send a ticket, you put it on the spike. Um, but he he takes that and he stabs uh, Hill's head on it and puts it back in the bucket so it stands up straight. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Oh, wait." I've never tried my reagent on just parts of a body before. So he injects the head and the body separately, and they both return to life. Yeah, it's great, too, because the head in the pan... West is is just taking notes. You know, from, from the, the beginning of the film, he's always so interested in, in just recording all the information, getting the data, 
and he's sitting there and, and he's listening he says yes and he says and the 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 head hill hill's head in the in the pan says you and he goes yes you yes and he, and he goes to write that down and it's slowly the the the, cor- the the corpse's body rises up behind him without a head you know every headless horseman you know mm. so and um uh, and 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 comes in and says you you what you what and he, and the head just goes bastard and then the head and then the the headless corpse bops him over the head. Well, it doesn't bop him over the head. It does something much funnier. It grabs it sort of daintily grabs <laughs> West's head and sort of shoves it onto the table and that's supposed to like <laughs> knock him out. Because right. um, you know and this sets up one of my favorite dynamics in the whole film is. Uh, hill and his body (laughs) um you know in in a classic comedy bit like the the body can't see so the head is having to like direct him around and the movie gets so much uh good use out of that and they use so many different like methods uh to to do the headless body but some of them, which is my favorite because of how goofy it is, is where it's obviously like a pair of shoulders and upper part of a torso that is set on top of somebody's body. But because of that, they don't have full range of motion of their own shoulders because it's got prosthetic shoulders on top. So all of the arm movement is from the elbows down. Yes. Yeah. And right, it's that that is one of those things when he when he shoves his head onto the table because it doesn't have any. It, it's so funny because it doesn't have any real force behind it. It's just this kind of little. <laughs> but but it, I think uh, I I'd have to. It's it's a bit of a guess, but I think the uh, the Agnew character in um, Futurama. Was was pretty heavily inspired by those. I could see know, that Richard yeah. Nixon, you know. Yeah, the Nixon, parts. the Nixon head, and the and then the headless Agnew body. body. Yeah, yeah. Agnew. that like, was a pretty good. That was yeah. a pretty good bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I could see that. So Hill knocks out uh, West. Don't know why he doesn't just kill him there. Be an opportune moment, but because the movie has to continue, obviously. Mm. Um, but uh, he takes the head his own body takes his head back to his office at the hospital. And I, I love that scene where he's trying to direct it, the body to the fridge and he's just kind of stumbling around, knocking things over, like feeling around. You can tell they had so much fun shooting it because it would just be the, the body. And then it would cut to like a close up of Hill's head. Just, yeah, in this the most dish. ridiculous expressions, just like ex- exasperated <laughs> at like his do his own his own doofus body <laughs> that is just bumbling around the room, knocking shit over. But like he he's got a he also has a mini fridge in his office, and naturally because he's a doctor, he keeps probably the same mini fridge. It's probably yeah, probably the same probably mini the same fridge. One. But because naturally because he's a doctor, he keeps packets of blood in the fridge. Um, of don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I've got so many packets of blood in my mini fridge right now. Um, I'll have a later. And so the the body gets the blood packets and just kind of like pours them into the pan with the head, and he acts like he's like soaking in like a warm bath or something. It's like as he's pouring the blood, he's like, he's like ah. <laughs> Not sure what's supposed to be going on there. Um, 
but uh it's it's he needs great the blood. he needs the blood and he uh he lets loose the zombified dean but only after using his patented laser drill to perform a special lobotomy that gives him complete mastery over the human will somehow yeah. um well we mentioned it earlier but the scene where he lets mm-hmm. the dean free is just fantastic yeah you know, it's that kind of mirror reflection shot yeah and then he's like somehow like sees through the reflection and sees a psychic yeah yeah it, it is it's like it's like uh hill is like projecting himself into uh the the dean's brain yeah well it's blocked so well that it almost looks like uh hill's head is on the the reflection's body they, yeah. they do it just yeah. excellent. Yeah, it, it superimposes over his face. Yeah, it's very good. And he's like, uh, he he basically gives him orders to uh, to go and uh, get his daughter for him while he goes down to the morgue to uh, hatch his nefarious plans. So yeah, the, the, the zombie Dean does go and kidnap Barbara Crampton and bring her back to the morgue. And then we get the sleaziest scene in the movie. And frankly, still to this day, probably one of the sleaziest scenes I've ever seen in in a horror movie. That they get away with just because the movie's so damn good. And it's so silly. It is is silly. Uh, I wouldn't say it's it's necessarily comfortable to watch, though. No, it's... uh... Yeah, we we really go pretty pretty hard into sleaze here. Mm-hmm. This is this is uh, you know up until this point the movie is sleazy, a little lecherous, um, uh, but you can kind of brush it off. And and here it it takes it to to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think frankly, like this this sequence being too much for a person or uh, not <laughs> not to their taste is incredibly valid. Like uh, sure. I would you know like that's. The first time I watched this sequence, I was just off-put by it. Didn't like it. Um, was very judgmental of it. Uh, and I think by this third viewing of it, I'm... It's a movie. It's well, a movie, and know, I, I it's think... It's pretty it, funny. Like, I think it also I, it also helps that, like, if you ever listen to, to Barbara Crampton talk, like, she's a consummate professional and, like, yeah. not particularly uncomfortable by... Made uncomfortable by the sleaze of you know these b horror movies because that's what she made her career off of so it's one of those things where it's like if the actress is comfortable then you know it it's a movie yeah well and it's interesting too because like to think about how they went from this to from beyond which is much more upfront in its grotesque sexuality Mm -hmm. and that's like the whole crux of from beyond as a movie in comparison, like, Reanimator, outside of that scene and, like, the sex scene early on, it's pretty much sexless. Yeah. I would argue that it's, you know, even fairly homoerotic. Oh, yeah. You know? There's, um, there's certainly, there's a, there's a lot of strong homoerotic vibes between West and um, our protagonist. They're, yeah. The, they, there's a few scenes where um, they kind of cradle each other, almost. Like that rules. 
Yeah, and <laughs> again, I think that's part of the reason why it gets more of a pass. Like, if this scene was in From Beyond, I think it would be a little harder to stomach because mm. the rest of the movie is so sexual in addition. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like everybody has their own scale of what is and isn't hard to stomach. Um, and I, I, I agree with Cleveland that, like, I think if uh, I, I think if a, a normal person is off-put by this scene... Uh, Totally uh, valid and within your I mean, rights. It's it's all it no, is no reason to beat around the bush. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a rape scene. Like yes. you're out in the bush. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but um, what what I will say is that the 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 crux of it, the coitus, is interrupted. Right, the scene sets up for something so repulsive that doesn't actually happen. Um, and I, I find that kind of admirable for, for a film that is very sleazy and campy. We're hurling dead cats at the wall. We're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It does still know to not follow through on that bit and to recognize that, frankly, not following through on it is almost more horrifying because it leads us to imagine what could have been. And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's great. The, the thing I'm saying is, of course, obviously that he brings, he lifts up his headless corpse and he brings it down to her thighs that and he's about to perform like headless corpse cunnilingus which is nightmarish and and, 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 and terrible and the fact that that is stopped before that can happen mm-hmm. is is definitely uh you know good but i will say uh, it is preceded by like a good yes. 30 seconds to a minute of of hill's head like licking up and down her naked body, like yeah, in, including, like including her shit. breasts, and it's like that is, and and it's not like, it's like they actually did it, yeah, they, you know. Yeah. So it is, it is like it, it is pretty, I think, uh, dramatic for for what you would the the kind of sleaze that you would see in in these types of movies, um, but again. You know, uh, as long as the actors are comfortable with it, that's all. That's right. all that matters first and foremost. And uh, you know, your your low budget '80s B movie comes with uh, a, a healthy dose of sleaze. Oh, it's yeah. uh, and I mean, like, it's again, par for the course. Like, it is brutal and kind of grotesque, but at the same time, like unlike things like the first Evil Dead or just about thirty percent of. B movies in the seventies. Mm. It doesn't go whole hog into rape. I I was just re-listening to our our Silent Night Deadly Night episode, which was an interesting experience. Uh, listening to how <laughs> to how drunk I was on that episode. But the only reason I bring it up is because we were talking about uh, and Cleveland especially was was very uh, uh, upset by how every single woman in Silent Night Deadly Night dies with her tits out and that they always go out of their way to rip open the women's shirts before they kill them. Um, so it's just like different time. I think it's always worth addressing and worth mentioning, but it is what it is, folks. These are the movies. <laughs> yeah. I think These that's... are the movies, the movies that we love. <laughs>
Um, but anyway, yes, uh, this this uh, horribly grotesque scene is interrupted by West barging in um, and being like, oh, you really are a hack, huh? You you steal my brilliant invention and all you use it is, on is, uh, is to... Uh, God, what does he say? It's, it's great. It's a, yeah, um, but but to to do something with with a bubble headed coed or something, he's like, you really are, uh, you really are more of a quack than I thought. So basically, being like, you have scientific brilliance before you, and you're using it to try to get pussy. You fucking doofus. Um, what a doofus. What a doofus. Uh, but then we get the 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 great climax where. Hill reveals that he, you know, expected Wes to show up and try to stop him, and uh, he has reanimated all of the corpses in the morgue after giving them his special lobotomy, of course. So they are uh, all perfectly willing thralls to his will. My favorite part of this is it's the same set of corpses that they introduce earlier in the movie yep. but that we don't see they're always they look under the they look under the the cover the sheet or in the bag and they're like "Ooh, no this isn't a good one but they describe the problems with each of them right and that's what we actually see in yep. the third act which so is we see yeah then we see the 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 shotgun to the head victim we see the burn victim yeah and and i love that too because there's like i i love when uh, they're kind of standing off and, you know, West is like, he's like, I have a plan. And Hill is like, oh, I have a plan too. And then just like all of these dead bodies that are just like scattered around the room, they all just like sit up in unison and tear off the bags and the, the sheets that are on them and all just attack in unison. Yeah, kind of reaffirming that there's some sort of like <laughs> fucked up psychic connection between Hill and these right. bodies. And that's, that is uh, uh, further reinforced... Later, when uh, when they actually defeat Hill and, like, all of the other zombies, like, react psychically to his death mm-hmm. somehow, they never really explain yeah, what's going on there. But who cares? No, who cares? They, they still, like, they, they, they never say it. They never, like, expose it, but they show it. You yeah. Know? And that's enough. Like, just... Yeah, the, the the looking through the glass and the showing the control and his understanding of force of will and... We don't know what's in the serum and what that does. It's Lovecraftian. Know, it's Lovecraftian. You know, he's he's come from the it's other the side. It's the unknown. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's gained control, and that's that's all we need. That's all we need. It's great. Um, and it's and it's more unexpected that way too when they all do react to his his dying, um, like a like a hive entity. It's cool. Yeah, it's sick. man that that whole that whole bit is great because uh, Meg is able to somehow through the power of love, break through to her father, uh, and he turns on Hill and the other zombies and gets a hold of Hill's head and just fucking crushes it. Pulps it. Pulps it. And then, much like the dead cat, 
hucks it against the wall. And oh it's yeah! Awesome. Oh man! And it's awesome! Pitches it out the door like, of the morgue and it splatters. Talk about on the... talk about a touchdown moment. Like I think all three of us like lifted our hands up like yeah yeah like because it, it's it's uh, you know it's, it's preceded by just a cacophony of all the screaming bodies and everyone's hurling around and it's utter chaos and pandemonium. And inside of all of that, he grabs his head, crushes it, he hucks it against the wall, and it just. Bop, it just ends the scene like so well, like a, or at least it climaxes. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't. It end doesn't the end scene. the scene, but it, it climaxes the sequence. It's like, paired perfectly. with my favorite bit role in the movie, and that's the security guard. Oh yeah, stationed outside. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, well, he sees like uh, part of what's going on, uh, and he does that, and then later, as he's about to come in, the head is thrown. Um, just... It's just like, yeah, nope. <laughs> um, and it well, and at the same time too, West comes up behind the comes up behind Hill's body, and he's like, he's like, I have a theory to test. Overdose. Overdose. He's got like two big full syringes of the reagent and jabs them into uh, the the body's back. He just can't help himself. He's got. He's got to inject interest. more things with. He's got to see what. He's got to see what happens. That's all he does. That's all he knows. And like, I mean, I guess it <laughs> kind of works, yeah. but uh, it basically makes the hills body like super animate, and its organs start like bursting out of his body with like a life of their own, and like his intestines like reach out and wrap around like a west. Monster. Like an anaconda. And at this point, one of the other zombies is just, like, stumbling around and, like, knocks over, like, some vial of something. And it starts, like, filling the room up with gas. And the last we see of of Herbert West is him being pulled into the, the, the smoke by this big uh, intestine uh, tentacle as... Uh, Dan and and Meg sort of uh, make their escape. But, uh, so, I mean, I guess this movie sort of plays off like Herbert West dies, but I, there are two sequels uh, to this movie, so... He, he, he does off screen, so... He, yeah, it. he got out of there somehow. Yeah. He got out of there somehow. Um, but the movie's not quite over yet, because as they're trying to escape, one of the other zombies gets into the elevator with them and starts strangling Meg... And Dan has to run back down the hall and get the fire axe to come back and chop its arm off to get it to let go. But at this point, it's too late. She's dead. And he gets her up to the hospital and all the other doctors gather around. And they take her into the ER and they're they're trying to resuscitate her, just it's mirroring. Almost yeah. an exact recreation of... The early scene. Yep, exactly. Bringing it back around full circle and can't resuscitate her. And uh, again, like the doctors have to tell them, it's like, it's too late. She's gone. And as the rest of them are falling out the room this time, he looks over and he sees Herbert West's bag that he carried out of the, the morgue and goes and fills up a syringe with the serum and goes to inject Meg, and it, I, I, it's so hokey, but I love, I love it because it, 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 
it sort of freeze frames on her on him like injecting into her and it goes to black except for the glow of the reagent in the syringe yeah, they like mask it out they mask it out and then it like the, this little glowing green rectangle like compresses like he's pushing the cylinder and it goes all to black and then we just hear meg scream yeah. and and of course credits it's a perfect little per- ending perfect way to end your movie barbara crampton scream Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Like, and then the, the, the classic uh, reanimator theme, which, I mean, I feel like is iconic. Uh, one, of the, one of the great horror movie themes. Yeah, and, and it's one you don't always think of right off the bat. Yeah. But it is really, really iconic. And it was done by uh, one of the band brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, R- Richard? The one who's not Charles. Yeah, yeah, I think Richard. Richard Band, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, it was, it was we, we had a way to laugh about that because you guys said, "Oh, Richard Bain." I'm like, "Didn't you guys mean Charles?" Because I've watched <laughs> I've watched every single Puppet Master movie, and like your brain is broken. My brain is broken. It's busted. And you and then it's like, that, no, there's more of them. Yeah, I didn't even realize. Like, yeah, I've watched all the Puppet Masters, seen Castle Freak, you know, and all the rest. Um, a, a Castle Freak, a movie that I personally think can't even be saved by Jeffrey Combs. I think, per, to me. Another this Stuart movie, Gordon and Brian Usna Lovecraft adaptation. Um, yeah, Reanimator. It 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 puts its foot right up to the line, and maybe even a few toes go over. In in respect for for the sleaze that I can tolerate in a film, um, to me, Castle Freak just steps right over the line. Like I don't I don't like Castle Freak, and which is a shame because again, it's a Jeffrey Combs movie, and Jeffrey Combs is a joy, but it's it's not enough for me. I, I don't I, I don't I don't like Castle Freak. Um, but uh, Reanimator. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Is it time to rate Reanimator, sure. boys? Yeah, well, I think it's probably obvious, right? I mean, it's a five for me. Yeah, it's a five for me. Oh man. Well, I mean, it's a golden pod movie. Come I, on. I, I can't not. I can't not. Now. You know it is. You know in your yeah, heart. I mean, it I, is. I, I do like From Beyond more, and I. I think you'd be surprised at what you gave From Beyond. Um, I can look it up. But... Uh. I well, that's the thing is is uh, I watched From Beyond for the first time I think for the podcast. I've watched it several times since this movie as well. Um, so my tastes have changed, you know, with time, reflection. But I mean, no, fuck it, you know, boys, I can't, I can't not. It's our three hundredth episode. Three hundredth episode. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Let's fucking go, Reanimator. Number, give it a five. We give it a five. Yay! Yay. Let's go, Reanimator. We are reanimated once again. And we will continue to be reanimated. <laughs> time and time again. I'm reanimated. <laughs> I like to eat. I'm coming. <laughs> I got the fire of human liberty. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, a unanimous five out of five for reanimator. A golden pod, a classic, well-deserving, and perfect for our 300th episode we're three animators. Three animators. We're three, an- three animators. <laughs> we did it, boys. We did it. Fuck yeah. Here's to three animators. Uh, more. Yeah, at least. At least three. At least three animators. And more. Four animators to come. Yeah. Uh. Next. Next week we've uh we've got another new one that uh I'm very much looking forward to. I'm super excited for it. It's the feature debut of uh director robert morgan yes. who uh has made quite a splash 
on the scene with his uh, weird, enigmatic, gross uh, stop motion horror shorts. A lot of bangers. Uh, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the one with the, the, the cat well? with hands? The cat with hands. Like, yeah, man, he's he's great. It, it when I when I heard that this movie was happening, I I, I did a dance. Yeah, I was. I, I'm really I'm really pleased. Frankly, I'll be pretty surprised if I don't love this movie. Like it, it yeah. I it, mean, it, it's it's the the stars have all aligned for it. it. It looks it looks like a great premise idea. It looks the right yeah. person's behind it. It it feels it feels good. I'm I'm and, really excited about it. And the film is called Stop Motion. Perfect name. We're gonna be Plain and simple. We're gonna be talking about that next week. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about it. Perfect for our 301st episode. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this our 300th episode. Uh, if you like the show and you want us to do 300 more, then the best way to do that is to make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you're listening to this. Uh, that really helps us, uh, uh, the, the visibility of the show. Yes, it does. Um, so, yeah, please do that. Of course, you can also uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, as always, Sam, Zach, Micah and Mitchell, uh, we we do it for y'all. We're, we're doing it for y'all, and we couldn't do it without y'all. Uh, so, thank you. And, uh, of course, you can always also follow us at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, for my additional recommendation this week, I rewatched. The 2010 film Predators this week. Uh, I I had not seen it since the theater. It does hold up. It's crazy. Um, I believe it. It's. I don't think it's as good as the first two, but it's a fun new take on it and a surprisingly uh, stacked, eclectic uh, cast of character <laughs> actors. You know, of course, you got Adrian Brody, but Danny Trejo's in there. Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins yeah. Topher Grace, Topher Grace Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I still, even today, like I still remember the big reveal with Topher Grace, and it's it's a delight. Yeah, it's yeah. It's it's a big it's a big goofy. Also, doesn't it have predator dogs? Yes, it does. Yeah, I got I got to rewatch this movie. Um, it's 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 a big goofy maximalist, uh, delightful mess. Uh, I had I had fun revisiting it, and so I'm recommending it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna recommend. I just finished this book, Heat Two. Michael Mann's Michael Heat Mann. Two. Um, twenty five plus years after directing. The original Heat movie, he decided to create Heat 2, uh, a novel <laughs> co-written by someone else. <laughs> every every week, since uh, ben, ben and I always walk, because we, we record this here at Tisa's home, and we, we walk back to, to our separate apartments, and uh, every time Ben has given me an update on his readings of Heat, and it's it's been a joy, like, like hearing about this shit. Yeah, well, uh, you know, late in his career, uh, Michael Mann is gotten really into the idea of hacking oh so, yeah didn't he do that uh that black, black hat, hat movie yeah, with yeah. uh what's Which, his face uh, was infamously kind of one of the movies uh one of the film jail movies so to speak oh they he put him in director jail and, yeah he, he went to director jail for that <laughs> um which is why he too is a book uh, <laughs> he just had a movie come out. Ferrari just came out. Yeah, well, he's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. In fact, 
they have signed on to make Heat 2. Hell yeah. Into a movie. I would love to see it as a limited series. Um, because it's kind of sort of a prequel-sequel sort of thing. Mm. Where they jump around in time quite a bit. Um, Was the book actually good? It's decent. It's decent. Okay. Uh, he's a pretty good writer. Um, the action sequences are quite good. I listened to the audiobook while I was taking walks and exercising this past month, and the uh, the audiobook is pretty funny because it is one of the deepest voices I've heard do an audiobook. It sounds like you know you get the the badass trailer guy doing like eighteen hours of an audio. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. I would recommend it. Nice. Cleve, you got anything? Yes, I do. Uh, fuck all y'all this week. I'm recommending myself. All right. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want some art? Come to me. Hit us up in the DMs. Come to me, Cleveland Mosher, C-L-E-V-E-L-A-N-D-M-O-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Hit up my art station. Look for Cleveland Mosher. That's right. I am fucking commissions open, baby. You want you want some you want some fucking cool drawings or whatever? I, I got you. I got you, baby. You can tell I've had a few Topo Chicos, but I don't care. Look, here's the deal. It's peace and love. Peace and love, baby. You want you want some art? Hit me up. Uh, I actually have a commission for you. You make a Sonic fan art? No, joke? no, it's an aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. As long as she's got good stats. <laughs> yeah. Stats are important. This means nothing to anybody else. No, it's an inside joke. I don't know what you're doing. All right. Happy 300 episodes. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Here's to 300 more. This is Farda. Uh, yeah, this is Farda. Good night. Obla. Bang, bang. Nigga, I'm 300, bang. I'm cooling with my youngs. And while we smoke, we but nigga, I'm 300 Click like pow, now he running Don't be fucking with my young Them niggas be drumming They take your ass down Shit, we need them bricks or something Keep this shit 100 I keep this shit 300 I pull up in that Audi You pull up in that Audi A fuck nigga don't wanna be yeah. Nah, nah, I like my bitch to see my bitch I'm so so bitch, she keeps up, yeah. baby. My gun don't make me beat. I'm cooling with my young, with my young niggas. A lot of cushion, a lot of guns, a lot of guns, nigga. You see us, you better run, nigga, run, nigga. Bullets hot like the sun, nigga. She likes so sound.